Talafalava, Bula Vinaka, everybody, and uh, Vinaka Vakalevo to those of you who are tuning in. Um, it is currently Fijian Language Week here in New Zealand, and I'm really excited um, because I've got Cruz on again, and Cruz is a mate of mine over in Sydney, and um, he's been on the podcast before, so you can check out our, our other episode we did before, um, which was a Zoom podcast, but this one's a little bit more, a little bit different. This is through Anchor, and yeah, I'm excited. We're going to be talking about Fijian Language Week and uh, Fijian history and heritage. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, Cruz is the the man, the, the, the talent, the beauty behind the um, social media um, pages Fiji History which is available on Facebook and Instagram so definitely go give a follow and check it out um, but yeah Cruz thank you for joining me on the podcast again no worries it's a privilege and honor thank you very much uh, Dima for allowing me to come in your podcast uh, once again no 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 it's always lovely to have you I, I never I never have people on more than once but it just goes to show how good you are <laughs> that's good um, so yeah like just really quickly uh, give us an update on how life has been lately since we last um, spoke to you. So, how have you been? What have you been up to? So, yeah, since our last um, since our last meeting, um, it's just been full on with work. Um, even prior to our podcast, um, COVID wasn't. I think COVID wasn't that big here. But then, from July onwards, um, yeah, we went into full lockdown from July. Um, so, shops, businesses was businesses were affected. Uh, my cousin, who was a concreter. Uh, he ended up there, the construction business ended up being closed down uh, due to the effects of COVID. So I was trying to help him out. So he was, so he has a, before about concreting, he was a barber. <clears throat> so mm. I was just trying to help him out, um, drive to locations to do some, get some haircuts and that, you know, get some coin, uh, get some coin on the side. And yeah. he was flourishing very well. Mm. And on top of that as well, um, due to the hairdressers and hairdressers and barbers being closed down. Um, it's pretty, um, yeah, it's pretty, um, how can I say, it's been pretty daunting, especially yeah. for those that get their haircuts every week or their perm or whatever the case may be in relation to hairdressing. Um, the barbers over here, the barbers, they have the, they have them in their homes, but my cousin was telling me they go as far as $100 per haircut. That is so stupid. Yeah, I know, $100 per haircut. It's like, bro, mm. like we're living in, I know it's, it's tough times. It's like, bro, I was charging 100 bucks. That's a lot of money, man. And my, car, my cousin wasn't charging that much. He was charging at least half or a quarter of that. Yeah. And on top of that as well, I'm you know, just helping you know, driving my cousin around. Um, just been busy with courier deliveries, uh, uni. Um, unfortunately, churches here in Australia as well, they've been closed. So every week has been just on Zoom or on Facebook Live. Um, but also just checking up on the young people, see how they're going, because um, stats have shown here in Australia that the mental health of not only just young people, but the you know, people in general has gone up. Uh, there's been yeah. increased increased counselling sessions. Counsellors are working overboard because yeah. due to the fact of the effects of this COVID, that is making you know people you know the anxiety levels are going up, depression is going up, and it's very unfortunate to see that. So, um, apart from that, you know, just seeing what's been occurring in church and that, I'm just thankful from my end that um everything. I've just been working. I got my I got my vaccine uh, back in I think August or July, mm. and um, look, I no, I don't know if your listeners they may be for the vaccine or against the vaccine, but you know, um, I just thought I'll just get mine just to be on the safe side and just think of my dad and my dad and family. But um, yeah, you no, know, it's just I'm just yeah, it's just been yeah, just been like that since the last time we've met. Yeah. Oh, also, like, just want to go back to like um the construction workers man yep. so because we here in New Zealand we get a little bit of New South Wales news 
yep. a little bit, just just maybe like five minutes. But we've been looking. Um, uh, sorry, we've been seeing the um the protests that have been happening. Oh, um, you know, yeah, construction yeah. workers, and this was a couple of months ago. I think construction workers getting. Um, you know, which sucks. Um, but then also going back to the hairdressing part, hard out. Like I, I've got, I'm growing a full on beard right now. <laughs> so, so you know, I would appreciate if if an Indian, uh, one of the Fijian Indian girls down the road could come and give me a good thread on my mustache. It'd be really good. Um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. You, that's why when I saw the email, it's just uh, it's going to be just one, well, just of them anchors. Oh, thank God, because right now <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm we, yeah. I haven't had a haircut since July. My beard's um. Bro. My beard's grown. I look like uh, the castaway from, um, you know, that movie Tom Hanks. I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the verge. I'm nearly tempted to go grab a Wilson ball and make it my friend Wilson. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Like we are very hairy people these days. Yeah, true. But um, yeah, just by what you're saying again, Tim, it's just um, yeah, massive protest in Melbourne. Um, they they're on the verge of um destroying their own um their own workers union. Oh, I saw the video. I shouldn't be laughing about it. We, we it came on the news. Uh, it's pretty full on here in New South Wales. Uh, a lot of the protests as well, especially aimed at um aimed at the police and also the construction workers union. They feel like they're not doing anything about it. But um over here, um if you've seen the news from, so they, we have our lockdown sort of the Freedom Day procedures. So technically, from December first, that's when. Everyone will be, even the non-vaccinated, they'll be given the freedoms. But December 1st is a long way, but for us, they'll be vaccinated with both doses, we'll be given the freedoms a bit more earlier. Yeah, well, I mean, just, just speaking about, I, I saw that because I keep I keep up to date with New South Wales news. So I've got a few um, job interviews lined up around that time. Oh, so nice, nice. I hope, I hope that I don't have to quarantine because my flight is on the December the 3rd now, got changed. Okay. Um, so if they if they make me pay three k just to quarantine, I'm going to be very mad. <laughs> oh my god, is, is this still three k? Yeah, it's three thousand. So that's what Sweet I got told. Christmas. Yeah. I know no, that's a lot of coin, man. That's a lot, especially because I'll, I'll only just start working as soon as I get there. But man, but you know, one good thing about Australia compared to New Zealand, the, the money is a lot better there. Yeah, that's what I that's what I noticed right. too. Yeah. I'm getting a lot of um. So talking about Fijian language week, um, mm. from like from a Fijian perspective. But most Fijians they come through New Zealand, and then from New Zealand they try to enter Australia. Yeah, so that's yeah. how they try and do it. I believe with also the Samoans and Tongans, I might be wrong. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. So the job that I get, I you know got unqualified in my career, so yep. I get about what seventy to eighty k in in Sydney, whereas here I'd probably get forty five max. Wow, good stuff, yeah, man. So I hope pretty, it'll, I hope get the job, man. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, but I want to go back to you spoke about um, you know, church and young people. Um, and I, I just want to just I'm wondering because I know even though you're not seeing bloody Tui, you're not seeing your pastor, but <laughs> but you still oh, man. yeah. Uh, that I never I always watch around that bum that boy uh, with Tui because he comes up with the most outrageous things, whether it be on social media mm. or seen in person. If you see him with a with a camera with a, the camera phone. Just yeah. be prepared. You're going to be on his social media page. Oh, and he's got too many followers. I don't want to be around him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it. Nah, I don't want to risk it. But um, yeah. you know, just just because you do have a position in the church, a pretty important position in the church. So how how are the young people in your church or in your yeah. community doing um, in this lockdown? They're they're well, Tim. As well, I mean, in regards to my church in Parramatta, uh, they're well. Most of them, we have a small group of young people. But I I keep saying it to them every um every Friday for you to say, listen, if you guys need to call, just call me. If you don't want to chat, just chat. So 
So one of the young people, um, one of the young people in the church, he's he's one of the youngest ones. Um, you know, I could tell you know, during one of during the youth service when I was just sharing what was uh, to be shared, I could tell he was uh, he was pretty down. His body language wasn't, um, you know, he wasn't like pretty. He was, he's a bright person. He's a very happy fellow. But I saw on that Friday night, it's like something's wrong. You know, something's up here. So um, I rang his dad, which he's the pastor of the church. He's and the senior pastor. Him, he's the he's the real senior pastor. Yeah, he's the real senior pastor. Yeah. <laughs> so I rang I rang him and I asked, "Is everything okay with the young fella?" And he said, "Yeah, it should be okay. You want to talk to him?" So yeah. So guy, he gave the phone over to him and said, "What's up? You alright, bro?" So yeah, I'm okay. Um, you sure? So yeah, I'm right. It's just something else. All right, and okay. And I said to him, "If you need anything, just call me back. If we yeah, we can talk." So later on during the evening, the mum, so the mum message the first lady of the church. And she messaged that uh, he had gone, he had been through, um, how can you say, uh, um, what do you call that? Um, he had a bit of a, an argument with his best friend at, uh, online, at school, you know. The, the, unfortunately, there's no in-person school here. It's just online through Zoom. So it's like, all right, um, you know, he had that sort of, he was going through that sort of, um, that moment. And I said to, I said to the mom, look, man, you know, I'm more than willing to take him for one of my courier trips to the Central Coast if he's keen, if he's interested, just to, you know, just to get him, you know, get that out of his mind. And he, and he, then the mom said, oh, that was, you know, that was so thank, you know, that's so nice. And we're supposed to have the trip last week, but it got, um, it got postponed. And we're supposed to have it uh, next week, but it got postponed again. But, you know, that's just the thing I want to just do, Timo, with, you know, the young people, just to let them know that, you know, if anything's up, you know, just a call, you know, if you're on a couple of drive. Um, you know, in my you know, when I do career deliveries, you know, I'm just there for a lending hand and, you know, just for them to get out of that house because, you know, like during COVID, especially during lockdowns, you know, you're in your house all day, you know, you can't go out of the five, so in, in, in Sydney, you can't go, go out of your five kilometers, five kilometers unless you have a valuable excuse, which I do, which I'm a essential worker delivering flowers and cakes. Mm. And by just using that sort of avenue, just, just to get people out of the household, say, look, man, you know. I know sometimes being in the house and be glued to the screen can be time consuming, not only time consuming, it can be mind draining. Why mind draining mm. is because you just focus on the same thing every day, every day. It's like Groundhog Day or it's like deja vu. And, you know, you just, you know, I'm just there to try and get them out of that sort of, that sort of deja vu or out of that sort of, you know, continuous time, you know, that time motion on and on again. So, yeah. I, to- I totally get that because uh, we're in, lo- we're, in- we're coming out of lockdown next week uh, here in New Zealand. Um, but they, um, what was I going to say? So the, the, like, I've been in that position too, like for the last, what, five, six days, I haven't really done much mm. and I just feel quite imbalanced and yep. I feel quite like going crazy. Like, well, I'm not motivated to do anything. Yeah. Cause you're waking up to, you know, no workmates, no, no one, like it's just me at home. Well, True. because everyone's in essential work at my house, but I want to go back to, um, the hairdressing, like, so people are charging a hundred dollars for just to cut their hair in lockdown. That, yeah, that's what my cousin told me, and I said, "Now nah, you gotta be joking, it's enough yeah. for real." And like, bro, that's a lot of money just to go to a person's house, but probably just shows the desperation as well because you gotta look from a business perspe- perspective. It's yeah. like charging for the haircut on top of the haircut is probably the bill for the building, but either way, it's still a it's still probably an amount that's you know that must be you know, investigated because a hundred bucks it's a lot of money just that's a lot in. of money yeah because how much i don't know i know for girls a hundred dollars for a haircut's quite normal <laughs> but oh, i don't know wow. about barbershop yeah only because of like the, the blow drive um 
you know, the, the treatment and all of that for yep. the girls here. Yeah. So that's why it could cost a hundred dollars. But for boys haircuts, I've never heard I've probably like what, twenty, thirty bucks? Oh for me. For a boys haircut. Uh, for me, Tim, I go to one uh, here just down by the road. I could charge seven dollars just for the good old number zero. <laughs> no fade. No fade. Yeah. <laughs> no, none of this none of this fade or fade or shade or get the have the you know the have the the, the, the artwork at the back, you know? Yeah. Oh I've seen yeah, I've I've seen Aussie boys rock that. But even here in New Zealand they have the the um and I was telling about talking about it with Tui on, on our podcast where they shave the front and then they leave the back. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, yeah. That's the thing, like a mullet or something. Yeah, right? like that's it's so ugly. But, but okay. I, I always call that a I, I call that the incomplete haircut. Yeah. Oh, that's the haircut cut by a lawnmower. So you know, <laughs> hard out. It's so bad. Um. Okay. Cool. So we're celebrating um Fiji Language Week in New Zealand, and we all know how proud you are of your culture and heritage. So talk to us about your favorite Fijian history story. Yeah, my favorite, uh, my favorite Fijian history story. There's many I can share, but the main one I love to share is, um, which always, um, you know, makes me feel, you know, uh, honored to be a Fijian is, uh, is Jesse Owens. So, for those of you that do not know Jesse Owens, Jesse Owens was a Black African American sprinter. He sprinted in the, I think it was the 1936 Berlin Olympics, and what was the main? I think I think it was 1936. Um, but what was during that era? And it was during that time as well where Adolf Hitler said that his German races are so superior that no one can beat, no one can beat them. So here comes this African-American by the name of Jesse Owens and he beats, beats his races and um, Adolf Hitler was so angry that he wouldn't shake his hand. He would refuse to shake um, Jesse, um, uh, Jesse Owens, uh, yeah, Jesse Owens' hands. So, why, why I mentioned how does this relate to Fiji history was there was a guy by the name of Joe Levula. So Joe Levula, Levula was, a, he, he was probably one of the fastest, uh, one of the fastest, and also he was he played for the Fiji rugby team. And where you get the name Flying Fijians, one of the main logos is of Joe Levula, where he's, he's got these, he had long strides. When, when I mean long strides, um, probably something equivalent to like, uh, probably not equivalent, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but it's like, say, like, you know, like a springbok or an antelope, you know, where they, you know, when they're on, they've got those long strides, or like yeah. a cheetah. So Jesse Owens heard of this, uh, heard of this man, heard a man that, you know, ran, I think it was 110 yards back then, under 10 seconds, or around 10 seconds, somewhere around that time. And he wanted to meet this man. And that man was Joe Livula. So Jesse Owens, you know, Olympic sprinter, African-American, uh, met Joe Livula in Malaya. And... You know, the reason why this story, because it's like an African-American, a man, you know, during that time of you know, segregation, during that time of Jim Crow laws, and Jolie Wula coming from, uh, you know, Fiji, where it was under a colony, and it was during that time of the Malayan War, post-World War Two, And these two figures, monumental figures, both in, both respected in their own fields, meeting together. And I posted the photo, that photo was one of the fir- early photos I posted on the Fiji History page, Instagram page, back, I think, 2013 or 2014 uh, because it just showed like Jesse like Jesse Owens because in the States Jesse Owens is a well known you know he was the person that defied the odds he was the person that you know that Hitler would refuse, refuse to shake his hands and for Joe Levula you know Jesse Owens wanted to meet he wanted to meet Joe Levula just said wow that's something bro and what I found that later on was the chaplain so the chaplain who was in Malaya and where Joe Levula was bringing during those athletic championships, 
that was my uncle's um so my uncle's father because when mm-hmm. i saw when i saw the photo uh his name was um, his last name is and when i saw the name when i saw the last name um and i said no way this can't be my uncle's dad and i messaged my auntie and said well um was was mr a senior chaplain during the Malayan war and was same with the well, they said, yeah, he was the chaplain then during, you know, during the time in the Malayan War, during that time in Malaya. And I was like, man, that's a short world. So that's one of the stories that that really inspires me and really just um, shows, you know, just uh, just how small the world is. But also, you know, an American such as Jesse Owens wanted to meet Joe Lavula. So that's one of the stories. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. I have heard of that story, not that story that you told, but I have, um, you know, because we studied the Nazi Germany back in high school. Yeah. But I do remember an incident where Adolf Hitler did not want to shake an African-American's hand. I, I do remember something. I didn't know that it would lead to that. It's pretty cool. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, and, and do you have any others? Yes, there's another one. There's yeah. another one by the name of Benaya Sukunaywalu. He was a private uh, back in the Fiji Army. World War II uh, went to... Um, uh, went to um, PNG during that time. So, of course, everyone's familiar with the Kokoda Trail with the Australian soldiers. Uh, because when you look at it from a, from a perspective, a you know, strategic perspective, um, PNG, Papua New Guinea was the corridor for Japanese to come through. And if they got through through PNG, if they invaded PNG in a way, I think they did it in some way or some manner, that was an easy access to come invade, invade Australia. So the Australians is like the last line of defence. And for Sukunevalu, the reason why what's what's amazing about him was that he sacrificed his life. Um, <clears throat> he sacrificed his life, knowing you know they were under heavy, so they were under heavy enemy attack, and he was with his with comrades. And in a way, they had to find a way to try and you know, try and escape without getting hurt. So Sukunevalu, he put himself in the line of fire. He sacrificed himself for his for his men. To make sure that they got out, but for him it cost him his life, mm. and by him costing him his his life, he's the only recipient today of Fijian heritage to receive the Victoria Cross, which is the highest honor when it comes to you know in the war field in the battlefield, and his name is I saw it somewhere in London or England. His name is engraved in the top of all the other soldiers mm. that have received the Victoria Cross, and his name is there, and that was followed by Ripper. Same feat by the name of uh, Lamba Lamba, you know. Otherwise, you called him the Fijian Rambo. He, um, I think, it was back in 1972. He was on a secret mission. He was on a secret mission with, I think, it was somewhere in the Middle East, where um, he had to. Same thing as Sukunaivalu. The enemy, you know, the, the enemy, the, the enemy was coming, and the, his allies, his friends, they had to find a way of escape, but in a way to try and slow down the enemy. So he stayed back. And I think he fought around four to six hours with a heavy machine gun, and he killed around between 200 to 300 men with that heavy machine gun. Mm. And just around three years ago, yeah, three years ago, Prince Harry came to Fiji and he unveiled the statue, which is at Nandi Airport, of um, of Private Lamba Lamba. Um, Unfortunately, I think he couldn't receive a Victoria Cross because I think their mission was top secret. Or in a way, it wasn't recognized by the British government due to being as a top secret mission. But for his efforts, it just shows the Fijian warrior, the Fijian mm. way of you know 
sacrificing for your mates and your comrades. And for these two men especially, um, you know, it's uh, it's wonderful to hear to see that. But if I said one more, sorry, my apologies. No, you, you add as many as you want. It's Fiji language week. You go hard. There was another one. There was another another um there was another pilot, World War Two pilot, that are uh, Fijian, Fijian World War Two pilot, that he he died only at the age of twenty four. 24 years old from tuberculosis. But he was the only Fijian. He was the only Fijian to um, to actually be in the Air Force, in the, the Fiji Air Force. Uh, was, I think his um, name was Aratundovi. So for him to, you know, for him to be, um, you know, to die at a young age, and also he was of chief rank as well, coming from chief, um, you know, chief of clan. And for him to die at the only the only age of twenty four just shows um that war was a very serious thing. That war going to war was, you know, was coming back home either alive or dead. And unfortunately for three these back alive. You know, they sacrificed yeah. lives or they died from sickness. And from then on, you know, it just shows that, you know, with that sort of that story, those stories, it showed that Many Fijian men wanted to enlist in the Fijian army or go to Britain. So uh, the reason why I have a fascination, with, especially with the Fijian military, uh, my grandfather served in the Malayan War. Uh, my uncle went to Lebanon uh, during the time of the UN, uh, UN peacekeeping services. Uh, my uncle was in the Fijian army. I've got uncles and family that have been in the Fijian army. And, and as of right now, I've got a cousin that's involved in the British army. So, and every time, you know, it gives me, it's my... No, it makes me smile from ear to ear. I'm not with my cousin in the British Army, but I've got a cousin in the Australian Army. It just makes me smile from ear to ear, knowing that I've got family that are defending the shores of the countries that they're in. Mm. And um, that just makes me really patriotic and, in a way, emotional, knowing that um, you know, it makes me feel honoured to know that I've got family that are doing that. Yeah, now that's pretty amazing. And you know, another, I think I was really grateful for the, the story that you tagged me in on, on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had no idea that Samoa and um, Fiji were, were, you know, had a connection because I've been to the Suva Museum before. Yep. And um, it's always about Fiji and, and, and other Melanesian islands or, or Fiji and Tonga. But there mm. was never e really anything about Fiji and Samoa. So, yeah, how did you find that article? Does that, that uh, piece of land still exist today? So I, I, so during, so when I looked at, when I saw this article, I just yeah. skipped through it. And one of the things that amazed me was when they, um, during 1987, when the town, when the settlement hosted the Samoan rugby team uh, in regard mm. to that. And it was just, that was very nice. And, but it, like, in a way, it just says your, um, your response was that I was surprised as well, because yeah. for me, what I knew through settlements, I know there was a, um, around the Suva region, there's, you know, there was a big Solomon Island settlement. Um, of course, there's the Tongans as well down parts of Suva, or especially in Lao and Lau, like, yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just amazing to see that there was a Samoan settlement as well. And I thought, and I thought to myself, you know, I should tag Dima in this for mm -hmm. her to read and see, um, just see what she what she thought of it. And I'm glad, and I'm glad in a way that you, you know, it's um, yeah, that you've seen it. Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, like I I, I remember asking, um, no, I think I I forwarded on to my mom actually. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. We don't have any Fijian in my family, but yep. I'm wondering, but it's funny because like I was, I remember when I was in Suva and I was just in the market and then I heard these people were talking Samoan and I okay. turned around and I was like, oh, hey, I'm Samoan. They didn't care. But, oh, 
they were like, yeah, and, um, but, <laughs> but they were, but uh, it's funny because like their kids were like born and bred in Fiji and everything, and they fully speak speak Fijian and well, you know, maybe not as well as Fijians, but they they fully are immersed in the culture. Yeah, yeah. pretty. It's pretty cool. It's like a whole Methodist community, I think. Oh, deadly man! That's sure. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um. So, what would you say is the most important moment of Fiji's history? Yeah, that got me thinking as well, Tim, in regards to that question. So, what for me when I like overall in a nutshell, I said, okay, what, 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 you know, what is the most important event? And to me, of course, you know, there's the easy ones. Of course, is you know, Fiji being, um, you know, being, you know, made independent in seventy, or when the when the missionaries came. But when I saw something that gave you know, a bigger impact, um, I couldn't go past you know the year 1913. Uh, the reason the, the, the year 1913 was the establishment of the Fiji Rugby Union. And when you see that, you know, especially their, their first test match was against, I believe, was Samoa. And there was a big tree in the middle. There was a big, they, they couldn't cut down the tree. There was a big tree in the middle and that had to be an early morning match because after that, they all had to go to work. So... And I think Samoa won the first. Samoa actually won the first. You know, our first Test match we lost. Woo! So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, the reason why I see why I say the the establishment of the Fiji Rugby Union because over the years um, Fiji Rugby's had its highs and had its lows. Um, probably one of the high moments was the tour in nineteen, I believe, nineteen thirty six or nineteen thirty eight, where we toured New Zealand, and that was under the captain, the captain, captain of our. Uh, Sir George Lockenbaugh, who was the Governor General later on in his life, where he led a tour of New Zealand, where they're the only team, and it's still the the record still holds today, the only team to do New Zealand without a loss. So mm. they won all the matches. I think there's one draw, but they yeah no loss at all. And playing against you know New Zealand, Maori, and the other teams, um, it just showed that you know there was hard, it was hard, um, hard opponents, but still we prevailed. And of course, we're um, playing against the British Lions, you know, beating them, beating the British Lions in Fiji, 24-21, um, Buckers Park. Uh, one of the centers, his name was Gelaratu. Uh, he was my pastor from the uh, mid-90s to the early 2000s. And, you know, he's well known for, you know, his, for his rugby skills, playing not only for Fiji, but for Australia as well. And, you know, moving on to World Cups and, you know, being a part of the World Cups, except for 95, where we failed to qualify, uh, just shows that Fiji and rugby in Fiji is more than just a sport. Uh, it's a way of life. Mm. Um, it's, in, it's, you know, it's engraved into the culture. Uh, probably for yourself, Dima, when you go in the bus, you may see in, when you're in Fiji, in the afternoon you see kids playing on the rugby field. If not on the rugby field, they're playing on the streets. They're made out, you know, they're using a Coke bottle as a ball. You know, some way or some manner to make something out of the board to play rugby. Mm. And out of that, you know, with the establishment of rugby in 1913 till now, um, it's paved the way for many Fijians, especially in the when rugby turned professional. It has made, you know, um, it has made Fijians become, you know, superstars in a way, um, you know, earning big money. But for me, myself, when I see that, there's not in the pros of that, but it's also sometimes, I, I don't want to say it's cons or the lows of it, because the pressure put in place to make the money overseas to help their families. And in saying that as well, because sometimes with, the, you know, with families in Fiji, you know, pressure is a lot of pressure is put on them, especially with the boys back home, 
um, overseas to make the money. And unfortunately, uh, there was one case where one of the Fiji, um, the Fijian boys, uh, he committed suicide. Uh, he was found hung in the room, or I think he was hung. Yeah, he hung himself. Because uh, due to the pressure of it, you know, due to the pressure of trying to make the money to try and help the uh, meet the needs, not only the family back home, but also the expenses where I was living in Europe. But apart from that downside, when you look at rugby overall, it's um it's sort of an opportunity for Fijians in the village, especially. They may not have that um that sort of academic uh, intellect. They may not be that you know that uh, that um attend that you know showing that much attention in class. But if you give them a rugby ball, if you give them you know show them the field. You know, they'll do their magic. They'll show their ways of, you know, you know, adding that flair on the field. And he's been shown in sevens and he's been shown in fifteens. And um, and not only that, it brings a nation together. Uh, good example is 2016. I was there. So I was in Fiji. I was in Fiji in 2016 when we won the gold medal. And I remember when that final whistle went, if we won convincingly. I just remember all I could hear screaming, I could hear yelling. You know, it was, you know, um, I started, I started shedding tears, Kim, I'm being real. I started yeah. shedding tears, and man, I'm in the moment, you know, I'm, I'm here in Fiji, and, and what was more, more wonderful as well, they, they won the, the first gold medal on what was supposed to be my grandmother's birthday, because it was like August 12th in Fiji, um, August 12th in Fiji, but she passed two weeks, um, so two weeks before it. So to win it on my grandmother's birthday, it was, it was something else. Yeah. I remember all the Fijian flags are flying, um, you know, and even even during the game or before the game, and this is only in Fiji. All the shops closed. They put the they put the paper at the front saying, "Due to the sevens game being held, the store will be closed for half an hour or one hour." <laughs> that is so Pacific Islanders. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then um, just yeah, just that it was just that real moment of unity it brought the nation together, and that's what I think rugby has done. Of course, I explain. Of course, the downside in regards to the finances of that, but in a in a more lighter note, and also in a, from a plus, um, rugby in a way has brought you know people together. Like especially for matches, uh, I remember hearing from the um, when they whenever they interview the players, they've heard stories of how people in the village, they live in the mountains, they have to climb up the mountains just to get good reception, and. And like for for me as a fan, you know that gets me pretty emotional because we live in Australia, New Zealand. We don't have to go to the mountains to get good reception. We just press the you know press the button of a remote. Boom, there it is. Whether it be on Sky, on uh, Sky Sports, or whether it be on Fox Sports, and we can get it. But like for those in the islands, so like you know going up to the mountains, trying to get that good signal, and watching the game on a little TV. Like even during that time in 2016 against Great Britain. I heard in Lombasa there was one small TV and there was 90 people glued to it. Over, overcrowded in a small TV just to watch the boys play. And that just shows the Fijian, you know, the Fijian way, the, the, that, sort of, um, that sort of unity, that sort of bum, bondship just to watch a match and cheer the boys on. And it's just, and that's what I think for me, that's one of the, probably one of the most important moments in um, Fijian sporting history. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that, um, you know, I, I understand that, you know, Fiji are amazing at rugby and, you know, all, all both sorts of, both kinds of rugby, so rugby league, rugby union, I, I would I would say so. Um, but, you know, I was listening, I remember ages ago, I listened to 
it's one of Tui's mates. He's a film director. He's the one, his name is Danny. Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, so he did a podcast with um, Rock and Kev. And one of the things that they mentioned on that podcast um, was that, you know, Rock and Kev are really, um, you know, wants to encourage other people, other Fijians to excel in areas outside of sport, because obviously, yeah. You know, yeah. So I just thought that's really important. The, you're, yeah. you're right about that. That's It's a yeah. good thing you brought that up because... Yeah. You know, as I as Fijians or or Islanders in general, we think that rugby is the only avenue. Yeah. We think that not not only just rugby sports is the other avenue, but you know you gotta have a plan B, B you know behind something because not all not all Fijians or Samoans or Tongans are, are going to become professional rugby players, and that's that's the reality of it. And sometimes it brings you know it sort of brings it um. I don't know about depression, but it just brings the, you know, that sort of um, excitement or that sort of energy it brings it down because they fail to achieve what they achieve. And and I remember, because I remember um, to put it on top of what you said, there was one, I think, one former rugby league player, and I forgot his name, but he stated to these young boys, these young Islanders, he said, um, especially in regards to rugby league, I say, he said, "Are you going to play? Are you playing rugby league for the for the fun of it, for the love of it?" Or you're just playing it for the trend, you know. You just want to wear, the, you know, the shorts or get grab the tight jersey, grab that, you know, get that hairstyle, you know, get all those Instagram followers, those Facebook followers, mm-hmm. because there's a difference between the trend and the love of it. And if you have the love of it, you know, you show you be passionate about it. But if you're just doing it for the sake of trying to be famous and that, then it's, it's just going to take you as far as it can. But it's good at the mom like with Tui and. And with the host, uh, what's his name again? Uh, Danny. Oh, yeah, he's a film producer. Uh, you know, he's an all-rounder when it comes to that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah like yeah. it's Danny. Yeah, Danny. Like, yeah, you know, it's, you know, there's other avenues. You know, um, for um, example, Rock and Kev and with Danny. You know, both yeah. in the film industry. Um, you know, um, how look how far they've gone. Um, mm. another classic example is um The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, you know, like. What I like, like what I like about The Rock, even though most of my Samoan friends, ninety five percent of them say, "Oh, he's my cousin, he's my uncle." I don't know which one to believe. But <laughs> on top, on top of that, if you hear The Rock's story, the reason why he's so passionate, the, re- the reason why he's successful, is that if you hear that at, um, at one stage in his life, I think as a fourteen or fifteen year old, he was kicked out of his apartment in Hawaii, and yeah, I think they like we. The family or him, he just had seven dollars in his pocket, and to have to be where he was with seven dollars in his pocket to one of the most well-known um, stars in the world, it just comes down to hard work and determination. It shows you can succeed in another field. Um, not only just with that, with um, the, that other Tongan actor, um, oh, if you know his, I forgot his name. Um, he started in the you know the legend of Baron Tor. Oh, Ray Liu No. Um, that tall, that tall one. Yeah, the the monster, the bad guy. No, 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 no. He's the good one, skinny, skinny Tongan one, skinny tall. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot his name, but yeah, something. Yeah, he he's yeah. Tongan, you know. He's achieving acting, and he, that fellow was supposed to, um, he was supposed to be the lead actor for to portray um, uh, uh, portray um, uh, Sergeant Labalamba. Mm. But see, there was, but the thing that annoyed me was there was, you know, there was comments. He saw. Oh, you know, he can't he he can't be doing it because he's not Fijian, he's not supposed to be doing it. And I was like saying, Hold on, man. When you look at you know, there's many people that played Nelson Mandela and they're not South African, you know, Denzel Washington, 
Sidney Poitier, um, Idris Elba. You know, they played Nelson Mandela. They're not South mm-hmm. African. Yeah. But on top of that as well, um, you know, acting is one field. You know, medicine. Um, you know, the you know in the army or in the navy. There's many other avenues you can achieve um, as an islander, as a Fijian, a Polynesian, Micronesian, whatever the case may be. There are many other avenues as well that yeah. you can achieve. And it's not the end of the world um, when you don't reach that sort of target. But in the case that maybe, well, you know, I may not have that sort of, you know, qualification that then, then if you're working in a factory, say if you're working in a normal factory job, you know, 6230 or so, you know, try and try and aim not just to be a factory hand, try and aim to become a leading hand or manager, supervisor. It's like the saying goes, you know, if you can't think outside of the box, think inside of the box, but make it colourful. Yeah, 100%. But I also just going back to the, the whole rugby, um, just, just, just what you were saying with rugby, you know, I truly think that rugby as a career, not that I'm in the sporting industry at all, but yep. I, feel, I really feel like rugby as a career, it must be so tough only because of the amount of surgeries and injuries that you get. Yes. And it's so short-lived. Like, it's you're only, like, the, the man for, like, a cu- couple of years. But you've yes. you got to be really smart with your money, smart with your Oh, money. yes, yes. Yeah, hey, I was just thinking about it, what you said about that. Who was the rugby player that told the kids if you're only in it for the benefits, then it's not going to work? I, I forgot his name, but he oh. was... I remember seeing it on a YouTube video or on a mm. Facebook video. Um, someone who was a someone fellow. Yeah, he's right. Yeah, yeah, he's right. And you, you're right about that. You know, it's you know, for fifty years or thirty years. It's like you know, no. 10, if you're like the real pros, like say Cameron Smith or Benji Marshall, yeah. you know, look in ten to fifteen years. But also comes down to looking after your body. A uh, classic mm-hmm. example he shows how he looks after his body is uh, Martin Taupau. Uh, he plays for Manly Seagulls, mm. and he just shows how he looks after you know body recovery is a very big thing, but you know, it just shows that, you know, in order to, the long, if you want to be long in the game, you've got to look up to your body. And also when it comes to the finances of it, especially if you're earning 900K or if you're like Jason Thalmalolo earning a million per year, uh, per year so yeah. you've got to get like financial advisors yeah. to advise you where to invest, where, you know, that the money keeps on, um, keeps on accumulating because it comes down to that book, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, mm. um, you know, how he explained, you know, you know, you can't call yourself rich if you earn a million dollars, but your expenses a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand per month, because it'll come to a time where your ex- your expenses will outgrow that, and you're no yeah. longer being rich. You're like you're chasing your you're chasing the money again, no? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, that's so true. Yeah, that's like when um, because I don't know about Sydney. Oh, actually, no, I have been looking at houses in Sydney. Um, but you know, I know Sydney in here in Auckland, um, houses cost up to a million. You know, minimum. Mm. A million dollars and then so you know my um so the area that we're in we're quite close to the airport and quite close to Manukau yep. where my parents own a home and man these rundown houses in my area because I live in south yeah rundown houses selling for like 1.5 1.8 wow million. I just and I'm like what the f-? like what but anyway yeah <laughs> oh, I forgot where I was going with that but um, no, no, that's good because yeah if you're if you're planning to come here and if you're if your goal is to purchase property uh, the best place for you, um, the best place Tim is out west. So the further out west is the um, uh, cheaper the, the the cheaper the homes. But even further out west, they're starting to the median prices are starting to rise as well. Oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah. But you, oh, well, this is where I was going with it. Yeah. So um, because the cost of living is so high, you know, um, it's really important to be um, smart with your money, especially when you're young. Obviously, I didn't do that when I was younger. 
But I same think boat, now, same boat with you. <laughs> yeah, but I think now, um, definitely, man, I'm just trying to save as much as I can. But um, especially with these young people, you know, you, you earn a million dollars a year, your lifestyle costs what sixty to hundred. No, oh, man, it's a lot. Mm, anyway, yes. anyway, yeah, no, but that was cool. I thought it was really important to bring that up because you mentioned um a lot about like the Fijian talent in rugby, but with those uh, with Rock and Cav, um, you know going out of their way and creating content, making people laugh, making people smile. Um, yeah, I think that's equally as important. Oh yes, especially during these times, Tima. Yeah, yeah. You know, we need some you know, we need something to laugh about, something to, you know, bring uh, bring us uh, you know, that sort of sense of humor, especially during this COVID. Um unfortunately with a sense of humor it's been brought up uh, it's been brought up against the Australian soldiers. Like uh, you know, there was um once someone wrote in the comment oh Ten years ago, ten years ago, our boys were going to Afghanistan. Ten years later, they're going to Western Sydney just to look out for who's not wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so are you 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 know, like just as a, I know, this is um, we're coming away from um, Fijian history right now, but just quickly, just because you are a man of faith, I'm wondering, do you how do you respond to people's comments around the vaccination being a mark of the beast? Ah. <laughs> Thank lucky you mentioned that, Tima, because yeah. if see I, I've taken I've taken I've taken the vaccine. And I'm more for people that don't want to take it. I'm more for people, you know, I'm for those that, you know, we shouldn't be segregating in a society, you know, we shouldn't be segregating the community. It should be the vaxxed or unvaxxed. You know, that's you know, that's not the Australian way or the New Zealand way. And with the vaccine, if the vaccine if I was to say it now, the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. If it's not on the mark, because if you read if you if we go into the if we go to the Bible, it says it'll be on your the mark of the beast will be on your forehead or be on your right arm, on your right forearm. And last I checked, I didn't get vaccine on my forehead, which would be a little <laughs> pretty ridiculous. And I didn't get vaccine on my right arm, on my right forearm. I got vaccine on my left shoulder, on my mm-hmm. left side. And I've heard stories. I've heard that as well. I've heard that. And also, I've heard people when they take the vaccine, they say to the nurse, "I want to see if there's a chip inside." And that's happened. People have um, nurses have had to make them make people look at the vaccine, making sure there's no chip. And it's it's, it's not really it's not really the mark of the beast. I mean, I'm saying it right. I'm saying yeah. right now. People may be saying it is, but for me, no, because it's not. It's not. You no. Know, once again, I got vaccine on my my shoulder, on my left uh, left shoulder. I didn't get vaccine on my forehead or my right my right arm. Yeah, yeah, and, and I love that because um, I agree. And also, many many faith uh, leaders in around here in New Zealand are saying the same thing, saying that's a bit ridiculous. You need to go back and read the read the text. Yeah. <laughs> You're not reading the scriptures properly. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I really hope that, that our vaccination rates go up because I'd like the borders to be open. I'd like to change, you know, I'd like, I'd like the freedom. Oh yeah, of course. 100%. I, I would I love to fly as well, but like right now, like I'm not, I'm not in a rush to fly because I, what I'm going to see, what I'm seeing is that as soon as the border, as soon as the, International rights open. You watch. It's gonna be. It's just gonna be hate. It's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be cray cray. You know, people, <laughs> people are gonna be going to the airports trying to just get out. It's like, like my birthday is in April next year, and I said to myself and my other cousin, "Look, man, I want to go to Singapore, and it's fine. You know, it's a bit uh, down the road, but the thing I got a challenge is for me here in Australia is that when we come back, we have to do um, seven days quarantine. At, at home, though. Yeah, at, at home. home yeah. yeah, which is free. 
Yeah. Not like, not like what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> $3,000. $3,000 just to work and pay it off. But anyway, yeah, no, that's interesting. Yeah, so, I mean, here the, the, the um, man, so how is your family doing in Fiji? Because I know that, because well, we get Pacific news here as well, and we're always um, hearing about the amount of children that are infected by COVID-19, um, how Fiji have run out of spaces for quarantine and for safe isolation. Yeah, that's um, um. It's good you mentioned that, Emma, because it's um, I've heard I've heard stories as well. So, I've had I've had some good friends in the faith, um, senior pastors in Fiji. They passed away. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help but laugh when you say senior pastor. That's okay. That's all right. That's okay. I know we think yeah. of the man when Tui when he says that. <laughs> so, unfortunately, they've um, yeah, they've passed on, and um, but there's been some other cases. Um. Thankfully, it didn't happen to them. There were some other cases where families, when they when they passed on, they just throw them in the container because the morgue was overfilled, and and then when they try to retrieve them, when they find the body, uh, find the body of the deceased person, they say, "Oh, we can't find it." So the family have to end up going in the bomb container. Through yeah, this is this is pretty eerie, going in the container filled with dead bodies, trying to find their dead relative, and um. It's like, bro, you know, it's, but that's, that's, that's breaking itself, you know, like going yeah. inside a container filled with dead bodies and you're trying to find your dead relatives. So it's been pretty, um, it's been pretty, um, it's been pretty sad. Um, but overall, like I haven't heard anything back from, back from my, you know, within my family, which I'm thankful and grateful for, but I still, but it still hurts me to see other families in Fiji that have, uh, suffered through a family or a relative that have died, you know, died from, uh, died from COVID, and to see that, um, it does, um, yeah, it does it does grieve me in a way. But you know, the only thing we can do, especially in the Fijian community, uh, most Fijian, some Fijian communities are organizing fundraisers to send money or food or um, you know, uh, boxes or you know, way to try and help out in some way or some manner. And um, you know, it's just pretty um, yeah, it's pretty devastating. But um, right now in Fiji, I believe that the numbers are going down. Um, curfews, curfews have been pushed. Containment areas have been lifted up, which is wonderful to see. But I believe the big thing the government is looking for is for when the international borders open, because tourism, tourism is one of the biggest is you know the biggest form of revenue from um, you know, how the Fijians get their Fijians get their money. Because yeah. when tourism went down, when tourism down, it affected the whole country and. People actually, you know, those full queues of people lining up to get money out of their their retirement fund, the FNPF, because of what was occurring. So, like for my end, I've been trying. I just been purchasing um, so sporting clothes. I'll be okay uh, from Fiji, you know, and try to help out in some way, some manner. Mm-hmm. But it just shows, um, you know, that here in Australia, New Zealand, we're in a way blessed to have, you know, medical facilities that are up to date, that are state of the art. As in back in Fiji or in the islands, you know, they're still developing. And especially with a case like the case such as COVID, uh, just shown things have uh, really made it very challenging for those living in, um, in living in Fiji, especially. Yeah, that, that does sound pretty heartbreaking, um, especially, go, you know, going and looking for your dead relatives. Yeah. Um, in a container that, oh my God, that, oh man. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, even when you think of it, Tim, it's yeah. just that's like, I can't, I can't do that, man. You know, like yeah. trying to go in the container, you know, it just shows the poor traceability 
It's mm. like, oh, we can't find him. We have to go look for him, bro. You know, oh. Yeah, but the people working, working, the people that placed uh, the, the the relatives in the container should, you know, should be held accountable for that because that's yes. their responsibility. So that's pretty poor practice, I guess. That's it. Hundred percent, them you know, poor traceability. Yeah. You know, not keeping account of where the bodies have been going, and showing that you know it can be contagious as well. And if the bodies, and if the bodies are not stored properly, that can lead to poor, um, you know, um, probably rapid decomposition. I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, I'm not an expert in medicine, but it may lead to poor uh, rapid decomposition, uh, de- mm-hmm. decomposing, so heat, especially because of the heat as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know, it's um, it's pretty out there. Yeah, man, that's that's crazy. But yeah, no, I mean, I hope. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit just because of work, um, and so I follow all the Fiji tourism resorts because, man, I'm this my number one holiday spot. I really want to go back. Oh, Dima, you just reminded me. Yeah, I, I purchased the book, the book? the River Book. Oh, have you started reading it? No, no, I put um, I um, I uh, I've ordered it, but it hasn't come in yet. Oh yeah, so that so I want to give a shout out to my friend Paulini. So she lives in Suva as well. Yes. Um, so she she's a good friend of mine uh, based in Fiji. I met her when I was over there, um, and she is an author. And I know you like to read. That's why I thought I'd she she had her work. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Looking looking forward to um receiving it, and hopefully after uni finishes, I uh, I'll really start reading it. Yeah, how is uni going? Uni is going well. Tima uni is going well. Um, I'm halfway through my through my degree. I don't know if I said it last time, I'm halfway, which I th- I'm thankful for. Congratulations. But, uh, thank you. Thank you. So I've got halfway to go. Um, unfortunately, I received a letter from the uni stating that uh, due to, because I haven't been, some units haven't passed, and they said if I if I fail this semester, they'll put me in uh, restricted classes, yeah. but mm-hmm. I'm already doing one unit anyway. But when I, when I received that letter in the phone call, it's alright, time to roll the sleeves up, but I don't know I don't be restricted, you know. I want to really carve this up. So, yeah, um, yeah. I'm just real. Um, yeah, is, just real is, thing. is is that due? Is, so you know, with everyone fails in uni, one one way or another. Like, yeah. it's not a perfect journey. Mm. Um, I failed my first year actually, so it's yep. not. But anyway, it, that happens. Um, so is that because you have been working more than you should be studying? Yeah, that's the that's the thing, Tim. Yeah. So working more than studying, you know, especially last um two years ago, I was moving and. When I moved into my place now with my with my with my dad, um, was just catching up on the moving and catching up on work and catching you know, trying to catch up on all these things and it just uh, it all clashed together like a domino effect. Mm. But I'm slowly, slowly getting back onto it. Um, you know, just you know, just that drive, you know, just that drive to graduate. Then it's the that's the thing I'm uh, looking for. But it's all about the journey to enjoying the journey as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah. Hard out. It's 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 about the it's the journey is just as important as the degree, in my opinion. Hundred percent. Yeah, but it's cool. So we're um we're almost at the end of our time because the last podcast we did was about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. I'm glad. I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, yeah, because um, oh, I just want to make an apology as well. No. Um, because when I heard it, when I when I heard it again. I I made a, I made an error. I did a I made a punctual error. So at the beginning I said that um I said the finger he's a big fan of mine, and when I heard they said no that's not what I was supposed to say. It was supposed to say that I am a big fan of the finger. I so I, I switched the wording. I I made the wording wrong. So my apologies for that. No 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 need to apologize. I, I think everyone knew what you meant. That's it's all good. 
we all we all make mistakes it's fine um, <laughs> but yeah nah Tui was mocking it he was like what the hell two hours even I'm like yeah I know <laughs> <laughs> And, and and actually, and he, he messaged me afterwards, and he was like, uh, "Well, because we we're messaging, I messaged him first, and then he um, replied back, and he was like, far out, man. Cruz loves to talk.' I was like, "Bro, <laughs> he loves to talk.'" <laughs> yeah, but it was oh, he's, yeah, he's a, he's a he's a he's a um, he's a he's something else. He is really something else. Okay, cool. So, was there anything else you'd like to add, or any uh, last minute message you'd like to share to the Fijian community, or about your you know anything about your work? Yes, um, to the Fijian community here in, here in this, especially uh, Fijian Language Week, I uh, just want to give this uh, shout out to all the to all the elders, to all the teachers that will be teaching the children the Fijian vernacular during the week, and to those that will be learning the Fijian vernacular, don't just leave it to this week. Um, learn that every day. Um, you can learn it through reading, also of course the reading the the reading the Bible, the Walatambu, or listening to songs or reading you know articles in the Fijian vernacular. Um, Continue to learn because there's a saying I go by: the day the, the day you stop learning is the day you start dying. I don't mean physically; I mean from a mindset where you, you know where you where you don't continue to learn. So, to all the teachers that'll be learning the Fijian vernacular, I just want to say vernacular level. I keep on doing that. Um, to all the to all those that are familiarizing the Fijian vernacular, especially in the Fijian traditions and protocols, um, please teach to the next generation because they really need to know especially for Fijians that are not born in Fiji, um, you know, especially if you're born in New Zealand or Australia or other parts of the world, because it's very important to know where you come from. You know, your Vanua, your Matangali, your Tokotoka, whatever the case may be, your Yasana, you know, those are the most important things to know where you come from. Because as a Fijian, you know, it's very important to hold on to those, hold on to those elements, the elements of your, you know, your origins or what, you know, what you have been taught because they come a long way. And that's what I want to see. You know, that's what my main words of encouragement to to those in the Fijian community, especially in New Zealand, um, to those, you know, not only just in the Nagel, but also the cooking, the cuisine, the delicacies. Um, you know, of course, we're Fijians born overseas. We're more, we're well known with KFC and McDonald's, you know, all those other things. But, you know, nothing beats a good old Fijian or island cuisine, whether it be Ndalo, Polasami, Roro, you know, and the other dishes as well, well, chop suey, chicken curry, and those other things. But make sure to know your roots. Yeah. And especially and for this week to acknowledge them. And and also on top of that as well, I'll be posting the you know the language card language cards or Fijian language week on the Fiji history page on Facebook and on Instagram. Oh, sounds good. That's awesome. And and I'm looking forward to even though I'm not Fijian, I'm looking forward to um, I always follow your posts and of course, I'll support you in any way that I can. But just now that you know, because you're so slow, now that you know that anchor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, man, uh, I was hoping you're not going to bring that up. Uh, okay, go ahead. Go you, know, ahead. <laughs> you know, when you said that you didn't know, I was like, oh, my God, Cruz, you are so slow. Um, <laughs> um, yes. oh. So now that you know that you are able to do podcasts like how we're doing right now, are you going to be um, doing another season or another? Um, yes, yes. Uh, everyday Fijian. Yes. Yeah, so um, to those, yes. So to those that may be wondering what's happened to the Everyday Fijians podcast or the other podcasts I've been doing, it's simply been due to the lockdowns. Um, I'm a person that love, I'm probably old school. I'm a person that loves to do it face to face. You know, to hear the story. You know, in person. But now 
Yeah, but I'm slow. Now I can do it like this. Oh, bro, it's like it's like for me, I just find gold. You know, I didn't know about this sort of method, but hey, you learn every, you learn something new every day. But uh, I'm really yeah. So to those that may be wondering why, because it's just due to lockdowns and being busy with work. But the the last episode that I posted was Fiji's win at the Tokyo Olympics and what my thoughts were in regards to that. But um, I will be doing um. To those that listen, I will be doing the podcast again. I will be resuming, and I'll be reading from articles as well, especially of the Samoans uh, living in the you know the settlements in Fiji and other other long articles as well that I will add to the Everyday Fijians podcast, where the Everyday Fijian shares the everyday story in the everyday world. Sounds good. No, I'm excited for it, and I'm ex- you know I I haven't listened been keeping up, but um yeah no I'm excited to hear it. Um but yeah that brings us to the end of our podcast. Um, yeah, just thank you so much, Cruz, for making time for me again. Um, and again, happy Fijian Language Week and mad love and shout out to the young people of your church who are going through a hard time and also your cousin that you've been supporting every day. Um, you know, that $100 hair, I'm still buzzing out over that. That's the biggest heartless gesture you could ever do. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah, it's pretty out there, Kimo, yeah. Yeah, but, but, you know, all the best to you and your family. And yeah, thank you again for making time. Minaka. No worries. Kimo, I appreciate it very much for being on your podcast once again. Yeah, thank you. And we'll catch up again. Obviously, you know, I'm on your Facebook. We can message anytime. Um, and if you ever want to come on the podcast again, I'm more than happy to make time for you. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That'll be that'll be a huge honor and privilege. You're always oh. you're always you're always my you you have the bragging rights as the first podcast to be on as I you know to be interviewed on and uh, I'm really thankful for it. And, oh no, nah, all good. Yeah. And in a way Timmy, what you have done is open doors for me in which I could not imagine. So I just thank the Lord for that. Oh, hey, look, you know what? Just quickly before we end, um, how did the the radio station go? Just... Yeah, so um, he yeah, so the fellow messaged me. I'm sorry, not I shouldn't say fellow. I should be more respectful. Uh, Mr. Brian, uh, messaged me, and um, so he said he'll send the uh, the questions uh by the end of this week through his um through my email. So um, how exciting! He... Sorry, how exciting! Yes, I'm I'm excited, and nervous because um. When I saw that, like, you know, it's like, bro, you know, Mr. Brown has interviewed, you know, the Prime Minister of Cook Islands, Prime Minister of Samoa, and here I am, you know, a boy from Sydney, Australia, going on this, uh, this radio show. Just, um, I'm just real humbled and uh, honoured. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Tima. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you once again. Well, I better not keep you up. I believe it's uh, nearly 12 o'clock over there. It's almost one o'clock. We're in... <gasps> but oh, it's my all gosh. Good. My apologies. It's all good. But I'll be in um, Sydney in a eight weeks I think all right weeks. cool when you when you land just give me a call just yeah give me a call and then we can we'll hang out probably the man doing myself uh we'll try and organize something if not I'll just come over yeah no it sounds good sounds good like we'll hang out all right cheers brother thank you so much for the all time. right take care have a safe one thank you so much Dima. all right